for the four of you in the room who don't already know me. Um, I, I am married to a civil engineer, which explains a lot of my research into this field. Um, my husband once told me that the engineering archives were this treasure trove, and we went down there. And so if you ever need research, engineering archives, amazing drawing sets. I don't know if all engineers are hoarders, but this department is. They have a copy of every letter the city engineer sent between 1883 and 1978. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> in triplicate sometimes. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk to you about water today and both the way that we've manipulated it in both our needs. Water, of course, is our most valuable resource in the American West. It fuels our bodies, our economy, and our industries. <clears throat> How Bozeman's water users have manipulated our water resources for industrial and domestic use and abused our waterways is a really fascinating story. Of course, you may be familiar with the phrase, whiskey is for drinking, water is for fighting, which is attributed to Mark Twain, but is actually a fairly common Western saying. And of course, in terms of technology, it's always best if water flows downhill. Um, it's a free technology, gravity, and it means it doesn't have to be maintained. Well, it's cheaper to maintain, at least. To that end, um, Bozeman's topography is perfectly situated for water distribution systems. It's about a 3% slope from the Gallatin Range here to the south down to, um, this is Rocky Creek, Bozeman Creek is in this line of trees right here. And we talked at the beginning about how Montana Hall sits on a ridge between uh, Bozeman Creek and Mandeville Creek. So Bozeman is really well set up for gravity-fed um, or gravity-delivered gravity water systems, as well as sewer removal um, as well. The topography of the eastern Gallatin Valley played a crucial role in the development of Bozeman's uh, water system. Consulting civil engineers have described the natural terrain as a series of long, narrow, parallel drainage courses that drain from the south to the north, paralleling Bozeman Creek. Use of water began in Bozeman. Here's kind of the idea of those drainage courses. So here's a ridge. Here's the ridge where the, or the bench that the hospital's on. This is um, the East Gallatin River, Bozeman Creek, Mandeville Creek. And if we were, this is a 1954 aerial photograph. If we were to go further, there's another that continues as a pattern. Of course, uh, use of our water began with settlement in 1864 for industrial purposes. This is a slide showing where the Cover and Macadow Mill was located. Here's Bozeman Creek. We're looking southeast. Um, here's East Main Street headed out towards Livingston. High commodity prices during Montana's settlement in the 1860s made farming more consistently lucrative than placer mining in the nearby gold camps. In a letter published by the Montana Post newspaper in Virginia City, John Bozeman wrote on September 10, 1864, that many disillusioned miners were convinced that the best deposits of gold are in the soil of the valley, but that it must be excavated with the plow and cultivator, sluiced in the threshing mill and separator, and crushed in the flour mill and panned in the baking dish. Of course, in order to um, crush grain, you've got to have a water source. And so um, pioneer mill developers had the, to choose to, between two main factors in, in developing a mill site. First, in an era before wild, widely available steam engines and electricity, 
Historic mill de mills depended on water, moving at sufficient speed and volume to power the mill. Second, the miller had to cons consider the site's proximity to good roads to haul harvested grain to the mill and ship finished flour to markets throughout the region. The topography of the natural landscape dictated the availability of water and routes of overland transportation. This is a later image of the Coburn Macadow Mill looking north. Here's the Story Mill Bench, the Bridger Mountains, and you can see the train has arrived, so it's after 1883. And the Coburn Macadow Mill, I, I don't know who this gentleman is. <laughs> In search of Tom Cover. So I think he's a Cover family member. Um, but the Cover and Macadow um, grist mills are actually now at Beale Park in Bozeman. In September 1865, the Montana Post underscored the relationship between flour mills, waterways, and wheat fields by reporting the impending completion of the new flour mill in Bozeman. The Cover and Macadow mill has a present capacity of 1,000 sacks per week. Those were usually 100 pound sacks noted the Montana Post. Next season this will be doubled and in both cases the stones will be worked to their full power. The Montana starvation therefore is played out and beef straight is a thing of the past. The wheat crop in the neighborhood is splendid. It is estimated that in the Gallatin Valley alone there are 25,000 bushels of wheat and in other valleys within range of the mill about 15,000 bushels more. Another mill developed in the Bozeman area is Union Mills. Um, here, uh, if you're familiar with where the Spring Hill Pavilion is in Bozeman, it's a fairly popular event center. This is the Bridger Range north of town. I know Leslie battled with this yesterday too. Um, and so in this situation, Union Mills was located at the water source and their advertisements actually call out that good roads lead to the mill. It's about eight miles out of Bozeman, so they had to include in their advertisement, you can actually get here. And you can see how the water um, was manipulated to power the milling industry. And there's one of those great advertisements. Union Mills actually became the standard by which um, the United States Army and the Bureau of Indian Affairs advertised for, for um, flour when they were supplying the forts and Indian agencies. They wanted flour that was of the same quality as Union Mills. So next we'll talk about the Story Mill in Bozeman, which is certainly the evolution of kind of the first industrial complex in the area. And uh, it represents the next step where Nelson Story was able to take, put the mill where it made the most sense for transportation, adjacent to a rail line, and move the water to the site of the mill. To do that, Story began acquiring uh, land parcels on the northeast side of Bozeman in the 1870s. He homesteaded, or he preempted through homestead this parcel, loaned money to his neighbor, and then refused to renegotiate the loan and acquired the property at auction. Um, <laughs> bought the property next door from a guy named William McKenzie. And McKenzie and the Story family had an interesting relationship. When McKenzie died in 1913, Story buried him with John Bozeman in the Story family plot, which is interesting, and then erected the stone monument um, above their grave. And then he also bought property on the, on the Story Hills uh, in the area in order to begin to look at where to move the water. So he also 
acquired the Coburn Macadam Mill, or bankrupted it, and acquired for the water ditch. And so you had to rearrange the water ditch. It initially came kind of straight through here, but they used an engineer named Deutsch to shift the water back um, southeast a little bit, dump it into Rocky Creek, and then pull it back out onto this bench along the southeast southwest face of the Story Hills to this site right here where he planned to build a mill. You can see uh, in this photo, standing on the roof of the mill, the, this wonderful um, story mill ditch right here. It's a huge landscape feature on the northeast side of Bozeman. These are photographs from inside the mill from this summer. Um, the, the, you may have heard um, Bill Jones say the mill was water powered until 1956 when the new hydro dams um, from Montana Power in the 1950s made it cheaper to uh, buy electricity than to maintain the ditches and flumes. And I, ha I gave a presentation on this last spring and one of the gentlemen in the audience said, yeah, we used to swim in those ditches because the East Gallatin River at this point was right next to the city's sewer plant, right next to a, um, a stockyard, and right next to a rendering plant. So swimming in the ditches was much cleaner than swimming in the river some of the fantastic equipment still in place in the mill and some of it obviously has collapsed. This is the exit flume for the water which is still in place under Story Mill Drive and then the water powered all of this incredible equipment. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the idea that okay, the water fell off the hill and it powered the wheel and then what? What, what pulleys? What, what other things were in place? This is actually on the fifth floor of the building. You may have seen this photograph as well, but I'm always struck by the ditches here. You can see the log embankment holding the bank up and the lack of trees because trees were a water source. If you were to take this photograph now, the entire north face of this slope is just covered in trees. Of course, Story um, employed quite a number of people in the mill. Most of those, those gentlemen lived um, on the northeast side of town, some of them in the immediate vicinity of the mill as well. There was one um, person on watch all the time in the mill. Flour is extremely um, flammable once ground, and so they had things like a water bucket on each floor to help put out fires. Other industrial users of water um, through the period included um, a Bozeman Electric Light and Gas Company, and I think, and Kelsey set this up perfectly, they also, they had a Thompson-Houston system, which I think was also DC, so just short, short distances to power Bozeman's um, streetlights. Another was uh, a lumber finishing mill along the creek, and <laughs> perhaps my favorite, the Bozeman Brewery was using water as well, pulling water straight out of the creek, brewing beer with it. They also had a small, um, I don't think it shows up in this one, but they had a small grist mill and their advertisements for the period talk about the price at which they would grind grain for farmers. Uh, other industrial users of Bozeman's water resources included um, agricultural irrigation companies which started really in the late 1890s, one of which was the Mystic Lake Bozeman Creek Company. So here we are, the bridgers are up here, here's modern Bozeman, here's Rocky Creek and the East Gallatin River, and this is Bozeman or Sourdough Creek. And uh, the Mystic Lake Company built a, an irrigation dam and reservoir in 
1902, and they used, and I love this, they used as the engineer someone named S. Fortier, F-O-R-T-I-E-R, who was the director of the Agricultural Experiment Station at Montana State and was a um, civil engineer focusing on irrigation, as well as C.M. Thorpe, who was the, the city's engineer who would moonlight because, and we have these great set of letters where he's asking the city commissioners for a raise because he can't cover his costs um, and trying to, and he would have to take on side work in order to, to be able to live in Bozeman. Something we continue to have as a problem in Bozeman. I speak from experience. And, and Mystic Lake very quickly, there's Fortier, very quickly became a popular, um, a popular recreation uh, place. Another one was the Middle Creek Irrigation uh, Association, which was uh, built at the beginning of the 20th century as well, with a small dam. Uh, and then we'll come back to this one later. It's a really fascinating story. But also became, in the Gallatin National Forest, a, huge, a hugely popular area for recreation. Domestic water systems, before uh, the development of the city's municipal systems, uh, we're very piecemeal. I love this map because it brings out for us, this is the Mendenhall House. Here's South Wilson Avenue. Uh, this is uh, Story Street. And this little building right here is a well house that still exists on the site um, at the back of the property. And so they were dependent on wells, dependent, of course, at this time before the development of a sewer system, mostly on outhouses and for uh, public health officials, those are not good things to have in, in uh, close proximity to each other. Certainly there's numerous examples over human history of um, diseases like typhus, cholera, etc., being spread through uh, water sources and uh, toilet facilities being too close together. And so public health really became a very important consideration in the late 19th and early 20th century. We have a really awful story of uh, a community member who lived just actually south or up, up the street whose son in 1916, I mean, this is Brooks Martin. He owns the Bozeman Milling Company. He owns about 2,000 acres in Gallatin County that's irrigated. And his son dies of typhus, or excuse me, of typhoid fever in 1916 in Bozeman um, because he had, you know, contracted it through some dirty water. So um, Bozeman started to make a push towards a domestic water system. And this is an, at the same time that Helena and Butte and Miles City and all of these other communities are trying to do the same thing. <laughs> but in, in typical fashion, we couldn't afford to build it. And so we went out for a public-private partnership. And they put out what we would now call a request for proposals for someone to come in, develop the water system, and give Bozeman the first right of refusal to purchase it. It took three tries, actually, to get someone to bite. And on the third try, uh, Walter Cooper partnered with Robert Bernard, Sylvester Carey, and Charles Robinson to form the Bozeman Water Works Company, which had the license and privilege of establishing, maintaining, and operating waterworks and laying and maintaining water mains, pipes, and fire hydrants in, um, in and along any of and all of the streets, avenues, alleys, and public grounds of the city of Bozeman as they may now exist or may be hereafter extended. And 
The ordinance specified Lyman Creek, which is actually right here on the north uh, side of town, across the, Gall across the East Gallatin River as the source of the uh, water supply. The water rights were acquired from Nelson Story, who had used some of the water to power his milling operation. The water works company was required to, pay to lay not less than three miles of water pipes within the city limits, which started then at the intersection of Church and Fridley. This is a, a photograph. So this is Lyman Creek, there is Story Mill, and you start to see how the elevation goes back up uh, towards the campus. This is the wonderful longhand <coughs> ordinance for the city of Bozeman. To my great regret, our early ordinances, well, I shouldn't have said regret. They're all in longhand. People have different handwriting and we don't have them fully indexed. We know what they are, but we don't, they're not searchable. It's kind of frustrating. So construction of the large public works project attracted a great deal of laborers. Quite a number of laboring men have recently arrived in the city in anticipation of employment as soon as the ground is broken for the waterworks, noted the Avant Courier on May 16, 1889. The courier went on to note that the enterprise would employ one to 200 extra hands during the summer. A week later, the courier um, reported, Bozeman has a resident who came into the city last week from St. Paul who has the courage to hang out his shingle as a plumber. There is nothing for him to do at present, but the completion of the waterworks will plant will give him all he can attend to for the rest of the year, if not longer. Lyman Creek, of course, the, because the water route had come right by Story Mill, one of the city's main water transmission lines still goes right through Story Mill. The finished system moved water from the springs at Lyman Creek in wooden pipes under the East Gallatin River and into the city limits. Sanborn fire insurance maps of the 1890s denote the presence of four or six inch water lines in the streets beneath Bozeman. Of course, in the great American West, lumber is used as a building material and fire is a permanent danger. Though the original ordinance specified a 15-year period to buy the water system, the city council proposed municipal bonds. I love these photographs. So there's modern story mill. This is actually from the 1920s, replacing some of the original pipe. This, here's the story hills. There's the story mill ditch and the overflow flume right there. The city council proposed municipal bonds for the acquisition three different times in the mid-1890s. In October 1898, voters approved $165,000 in bonds at 5% interest over 20 years by a narrow 28-vote majority. To put this in context, at the same time, William A. Clark was developing Missoula's water system, and Missoula's voters did not buy their water system in 1898, and now they're buying it for about $70 million depending on how the litigation with the Carlisle Group goes. The bonds raised the necessary funds to purchase, extend, and improve the Bozeman Waterworks Company. The Avant Courier noted, if we could somehow manage to hold another election on the subject, the proposition would probably be defeated. And I, I tell that story about Nelson's story and William A. Clark because the city's public works director and I sometimes have this conversation of that the two are very, um, very similar to each other. And if not for Nelson's story in Bozeman, would we have had William A. Clark? And I can tell you yes, because the newspaper articles note William A. Clark using um, his representatives in Bozeman to advocate that 
that community members don't vote for the bonds. Um, we actually, Craig Willard and I actually use a little bit more salty language when talking about that. Um, but they're, they're both just really an interesting way of looking at how they were manipulating the politics for different gains. Other industrial users of water included the Lairkine Brewery, built in 1895. They supplemented their three wells with city water as well. And I love this quote from the Miles City Journal. On the strength of an interview with Major Alderson, the Los Angeles Express congratulates the people of Bozeman on the establishment of the Agricultural College and Brewery being located in their midst. We don't believe that the Major mentioned these two enterprises in the same breath. In, face, we are inclined, in fact, we are inclined to believe that he changed his breath after speaking of the Agricultural College, which reminded him of the brewery. <laughs> Bozeman is having an explosion of, brewer, of uh, breweries right now, and I cannot enunciate the word brewery, but they will, we've had five in the last uh, three years or so. Others included pea canneries, all types of industries which used a lot of water. Uh, at the same time, rather than relying on, on the dynamo on Bozeman Creek, uh, the water companies, or excuse me, the power companies began to consolidate under what eventually became Montana Power. This is a photograph of the construction of the uh, Nunn hydroelectric plant on the Madison River, uh, about 30 miles to our west. And it was Madison River Power Company eventually got swept up into Montana Power, and their transmission lines ran uh, into Bozeman on West College Street. So here's West College right here. Here's South 11th. They don't show the roundabout that's there now. Um, but you can see how the electricity coming into Bozeman um, was able to impact all of those industries. The Lairkine Brewery, rather than um, requiring the architecture of the Lairkine Brewery, rather than being built into a hillside so that raw materials could be delivered on the top and then it, it, the process, the brewing process could follow gravity, they were able to use electricity to elevate the small grains to make the beer. Of course, the topography of Bozeman, when you're fed by water from, let's pretend we're standing at Lyman Creek, looking to the north, I spoke earlier about the differences in elevation. The water system depended on gravity to force piped water from Lyman Reservoir, 5,030 feet of altitude, under the East Gallatin River, uphill to Main Street, elevation 4,820, and then to sinks and bathtubs in the Bozeman Hotel, another 80 feet in the air. The Bozeman's hotel elevator was also hydropowered, leaving, leaving late summer visitors with an unpleasant four-floor hike in a dry spell when water pressure was low. The line that ran to the Montana State University campus, also um, the demand outpaced the ability to deliver water for domestic use and fire suppression. To alleviate the issue, engineer C.M. Thorpe sought out alternative water sources to the south of town, which could run downhill to College Hill, by then also called College Height. In 1908, Thorpe reported on Marta Springs, located 2.7 miles, it's about right here, uh, south of town near the modern intersection of South Third and Goldenstein Roads. By 1910, new city engineer Will Hartman alerted the city council that within the last two weeks, the Lyman Creek Reservoir has on several, several occasions been empty, or nearly so, and the city has had very poor, poor fire protection. Hartman recommended immediate action to enlarge the reservoir, as well as acquiring additional water rights in either Bozeman Creek or other sources. Hartman's recommend, recommendation 
um, that the reservoir be expanded fourfold in 1911 came to fruition and got a lot bigger and they were able to supply water in a better way. Later, in the meantime, they still looked for new water sources. Here's the Bozeman Hotel. And I've seen the drawing set um, actually by Fred Wilson of how the hydro-powered elevator worked. It's really fascinating. Later, though, the city continued to seek additional water resources during the early 19-teens and quietly purchased four of the shares of the Bozeman Creek Reservoir Company in 1915. Engineer Hartman reported, when the city learned that there were some few shares that were not being used, they immediately purchased them for $840 each. That's all. That's insane. Those shares now are worth about $15,000 per piece or some more. As soon as the city had purchased these four shares, one or two of the other holders of shares in Mystic Lake wished to sh sell their shares to the city, but wanted the city to pay them $2,000 per share. What is that, an $1,160 markup? Infrastructure improvements were needed in order to bring the Bozeman Creek water into the city. In 1916, the city council asked voters to approve $235,000 in municipal bonds to redeem outstanding water bonds, extend and improve the enlarged and enlarge the present waterwork system, and inquire an auxiliary of additional waterworks from Bozeman Creek for the city of Bozeman. Members of the city council came out for and against the bonding measure. Nelson Story Jr. published an editorial in the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. <clears throat> well, actually, what I'm getting at here is even the Story family. So Nelson Story Jr. is a member of the city council, and he's advocating for the bonds. And here's his father with all of these other folks, including Walter Cooper, saying why the bonds should not be passed. One of the reasons that they said was the Cooper system put provides plenty of water. We've already paid for it. Um, why, why do we need more water? In reality, the Lyman Creek water source was always extremely overestimated. The city's water intake is currently about two-thirds of what it was estimated as uh, in 1886. Nonetheless, voters approved the um, election. One of the things that the, the city councilors pointed to was public health and safety, fire suppression, and that the states, um, the state would not fund new buildings on the MSU campus if they couldn't put out a fire on them. Voters approved the bonds in April and in, by only a 92 vote majority. And in a really curious footnote to that, the chemistry building on the MSC campus um, burst into flames in October. You can see the nice skiff of snow on the ground here. And uh, the city wasn't able to provide enough water pressure to put the building out. It was a complete loss. By the 1930s, um, Montanans were again manip manipulating our water system using federal funding through President Roosevelt's New Deal. There's, of course, the massive Fort Peck Dam, but also smaller projects like the Ruby, Res like the Ruby Reservoir a little bit to our west. By December of 1937, the Public Works Administration had 2,650 men at work on water conservation jobs throughout the state, including Ackley Lake, Ruby River, all types of these smaller irrigation projects. Bozeman's government agencies requested PWA funding for a variety of public projects in the late 1930s. Wilson School, the Gallatin County Courthouse, Hawthorne Irving and Longfellow Schools are prominently known PWA projects. 
Lesser known PWA projects include the Montana Department of Transportation Yards on North Rouse Avenue, landscaping in Lindley Park and construction of Bogart Pool on South Church Avenue. With the support of Congressman Jerry O'Connell representing Montana's first district, at that point we had more than one representative, the Water Board continued to expand water reclamation projects throughout the state. Assistant Commissioner of Reclamation Bureau, R.B. Williams, and so he's the Assistant Federal Commissioner. He's a Bozeman native and a 1911 graduate of MSC's School of Engineering. Likely played a large part in securing funding for Montana. Federal funding, um, and you can see here Roosevelt visiting the Fort Peck uh, site. Federal funding improved recreational facilities in the Middle Creek area, including a Boy Scout camp in 1935, improvements to the road, and construction of the trails by the uh, Civilian Conservation Corps in 1937-39. At a Chamber of Commerce meeting in May 1938, the board's chairman, Rockwood Brown, touted the board's success. Brown noted that in three years, 16 projects were built or were under construction at a cost to the state of $6 million. The completed projects would provide over 300,000 acre feet of water for lands under them at the rate of about $20 per acre foot. Brown said the board had every reason to believe the Middle Creek project will be approved for PWA construction in the near future. Located 14 miles south of Bozeman, the project would store 4,000 to 10,000 acre feet of water and cost about $350,000. The funding stream would be 45% from a grant and 55% from a loan from the Water Conservation Board. Um, in a really smart move, the city of Bozeman bought into the project as well. They eventually contracted for 500 acre feet of water from the reservoir. In explaining the turn away from preserving Middle Creek for recreation, Mayor Augustus Lake wrote to the Forest Service, the city of Bozeman has to be on the lookout for more water and always welcomes any new source of supply. And as the prosperity and happiness of the people of Bozeman depend largely on the success of farmers in the Gallatin Valley, we deem it our duty to support things helpful to the farming industry. The PWA approved the project a month later in June 1938. In May 1938, the board had awarded the contract for dam construction to RP England for the amount of $347,000. Excavation for the earthen fill dam began in July 1939, but was quickly halted when a 30-foot deep quicksand pocket was discovered. After relocating the selected site, the contractor fought a short construction season and difficulty finding materials until 1942, when, the, when Contractor England's equipment was requisitioned for World War II purposes. The dam was finally finished um, in the early 1950s, so we spent about 13 years with this half-finished dam up, um, up in highlight. Two transmission lines now carry water. So here's the reservoir again, the earthen fill dam. And two transmission lines now carry water from Middle Creek over to Sourdough, where the city's water treatment plant is located. 40% of Bozeman's domestic water comes from Highlight, 40% from Bozeman Creek, and 20% from Bozeman's original water source at Lyman Creek. Uh, for Bozeman, we are facing uh, a real issue here in the next couple of years. We have enough water for about 55,000 people in the city limits at the rate we currently use it. And we need to do a better job of conserving water while also looking to acquire new water resources. One interesting footnote in doing the research was that 
Um, during this time period, the PWA and the Water Board was actually also looking at putting a dam on the West Gallatin River uh, in the Spanish Creek vicinity. And some of us can't imagine that beautiful area now as a, as a hydro dam. Um, so if not for World War II, no floating the, the West Gallatin, I suppose. Thank you all very much for your time this morning.